To what do I owe the honor of your call this time, Mr. Cooper? Don't you remember, I said, just a little annoyed? You told me to remind you when another John Wayne picture was showing in town. You still want to go? When? Tonight, I said. The Duke's at the Pantages in Sands of Iwo Jima. Supposed to be really good. You in? Hang on, Dan said. I could hear him lay the phone down on his desk and then page through his appointment book. He picked up the phone again. I have something going until 5.30, Dan said. How's that work out? The show starts at 5.25, I said. Can't you slip away early from whatever it is they have you doing? I don't think so, Dan explained. When's the next showing? 7.15. Does that work for you? 7.15 it is, Dan said. How about if I just meet you out front of the theater at 7? That'll give us plenty of time to grab some candy and catch the coming attractions. And the cartoon, I said. It's a new Popeye. All right, seven in front of the theater. Right, Dan said. Got to run now. You know how busy we lieutenants are. Dan hung up without giving me a chance to one-up him with a clever comeback. It was nearly 4.30, and I didn't feel like driving home to change clothes. On the other hand, I didn't feel like hanging around my office until 7 either. I flipped through the movie listing section of the paper again and saw ads for several other movies that looked good. I could play it safe and catch Jimmy Stewart in the Stratton story. Stewart had never let me down in any movie yet. Then there was Mighty Joe Young, but from the picture in the ad, it looked like a cheap remake of King Kong, so I passed on that one. Downtown, they were showing Broderick Crawford in a movie called All the King's Men. Since I had no idea what it was about, I didn't want to take a chance that the rotund Crawford would be playing a version of the Humpty Dumpty character. That would have brought back too many bad memories from my Mother Goose murder case a couple of years ago. After dismissing the first three movies, the choice was obvious. I'd go see Bing Crosby in A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. At least I knew what that was about, having read the Mark Twain book that the movie was based on. I liked movies with knights, and I also liked the concept of time travel, so this would be the perfect fit for me. I could just make this movie if I hurried. When it ends, I still have plenty of time to get out of there and drive over to the Pantages Theater to meet Dan at 7 o'clock. I drove downtown to the theater and parked at the curb around the corner. I glanced at my wristwatch. It was 4.40, and the movie would be starting in another five minutes. I began to run toward the theater. As I rounded the corner, I bumped into a woman who was walking in the same direction. She dropped her purse, and the contents spilled out onto the sidewalk. I stopped and held both palms out toward her. "'Excuse me,' I said, somewhat embarrassed. Without looking at me, the woman said, "'Why don't you watch where you're going?' Then she looked up and our eyes locked. Her tone softened immediately. I said, excuse me, I repeated, bending over. Here, let me pick up those things. I started grabbing for a lipstick tube that was rolling toward the curb. I handed it to her and she dropped it in her purse. When she had everything back where it had been, I stood and held my hand out to help her to her feet. She grabbed my hand and I pulled her up next to me, brushing off whatever dirt I may have transferred to her when I bumped her. She looked to be in her late twenties or early thirties and was neatly dressed. Her brown hair had flown into her face as we collided, but when she brushed it back, I could see her beautiful brown eyes. They seemed to twinkle, and my heart skipped a beat. "'Were you going to that theater?' I asked. She looked at me indignantly. "'Not that it's any of your business, but yes, I was,' she said, walking away from me. I caught up to her and turned toward her. So was I. "'Good for you,' the woman said, and kept walking. "'Please,' I said, "'you have to let me pay for your ticket.' It's the least I can do, considering considering you're clumsy, she said. I raised my eyebrows. It would make me feel better, and it would help make up for knocking your purse to the ground. 
Yeah, she said, 40 cents would cover it. 50, I corrected her, and I'll throw in some popcorn. The woman suddenly realized that she might have been acting unreasonably rude and smiled. All right, she said, movie and some popcorn, but that squares us. You don't owe me another thing. Good, I said. I feel better already. I'm glad you feel better, she said. I'll feel better once I've sat down and had some popcorn. Her smile widened, and I knew I'd been forgiven. I stepped up to the ticket window and handed the girl a dollar. Two adults, I said, taking the tickets from her. I gestured with my hand toward the door, where the usher stood ready to take our tickets and tear them in half. I'm sure he must have trained for weeks on end to learn that particular skill. I led the woman inside, and we stepped over toward the candy and soda counter. I suddenly realized that I didn't even know this woman's name. I turned to her and pursed my lips, wondering if there was a graceful way to ask her name. I'm sorry, I said. I don't know where I left my manners. My name is Matt Cooper.